Welcome to the Mindful Birding Podcast, bringing you conversations and insights on the health benefits and joy of mindful birding. Brought to you by the Mindful Birding Network and your co-hosts, Holly Merker and Holly Thomas. Hello, everyone. This is Holly Merker. Thanks for tuning in to the Mindful Birding Podcast. In this episode, we are talking about why mindful birding is for everyone, and as a result, this style of birding is being featured and spotlighted by some of the larger birding festivals here in the United States. Holly Thomas shares why mindful birding is truly for everyone, as she explores the idea of integration and inclusivity with all styles of birding. By the way, for the second year in a row, Holly will be providing a mindful birding experience during the Southeastern Arizona Birding Festival. What a great place to share mindful birding. And Bridget Butler and I, aka the Bird Diva, chatted about our spectacular experiences at the biggest week in American Birding Festival in Northwest Ohio. Perhaps you've heard of it before. It certainly is something to behold and has to be on everybody's uh, wish list or bucket list as a birder, no matter what your birding style. We hope you enjoy this episode and think of ways you can weave mindful birding into your own style of birding or even into your own local community. Happy mindful birding! This is Holly Thomas. We're often asked what makes mindful birding different from regular birding. Mindful birding is really just about bringing mindfulness practices to your observation of birds. The Mindful Birding Network website describes the guiding principles of mindful birding as an awareness of being in the moment with the birds, an intention to turn our attention to birds and nature for self-care, of being without judgment in order to allow an experience to be what it will be and not be disappointed by what happens or doesn't, an exploration of one's curiosity, wonder, and openness to experiencing awe. Claire Thompson, author of The Art of Mindful Birdwatching, says, Mindful birdwatching is setting aside knowledge, labels, and expectations while paying full attention, moment by moment, and non-judgmentally to our direct experience with birds. We're sometimes asked by people about whether mindful birding is for them. My short answer would be yes, but the fuller answer would be mindful birding welcomes everyone. Mindful birding is for beginners. Mindful birding is for experts. Mindful birding is for people with mobility challenges. Mindful birding is for photographers, for people who love to travel, for people who want to stay home. Mindful birding is for people who don't own binoculars. Mindful birding is for e-birders, or for people who don't know what e-bird is. Mindful birding is for folks who sometimes get down on themselves over a birding experience, or for people who experience FOMO, fear of missing out. Mindful birding is for folks who want to share the joy of birding with others, and for people who love solitude. Mindful birding is for people who want to connect with others. It's for people who don't care to identify birds. It's for people who love to study field guides. 
Mindful birding is for you no matter how you self-identify. No matter your age, size, shape, gender, race. Mindful birding is for big days, big years. Mindful birding is for any day, any time. Do you get the idea? Mindful birding can be for anyone. Mindful birding is for you if you fall into a group I mentioned. And mindful birding is for you if you don't fall into a group I mentioned. Mindful birding is for everyone because at the heart of mindful birding is the practice of mindfulness, the intention to place one's attention in the present moment with kindness and without judgment. This kind, non-judgmental awareness can be applied to any style of birding. Bringing mindfulness to your way of observing birds, whatever that may be, can enhance the experience bring more joy, and provide so many health benefits. Depending on who you are, how your body feels, and what's going on in your life, different birding styles may appeal to you, and mindfulness can work with all of them. Some people may have an easier time approaching mindfulness in birding through sit spots. Others may feel more connected to the moment when moving. Some people may find it easiest to connect to the present moment by tuning into birdsong. Some people may love to travel to see birds, and some people may be more homebodies. Some people may love it all. It's a very personal choice without a right answer. It's more about figuring out what works for you. There is no one right way. You can bring a layer of mindfulness to any birding style that you love, or bring mindfulness to a new style of birding that you would like to explore. Mindfulness is compatible with it all and has wonderful health benefits. So with that encouragement, we share with you a conversation from co-host Holly Merker and Mindful Birding Network member Bridget Butler, who just spent some time together at the Biggest Week in Birding, discussing how the practice of mindful birding is getting more recognition and gaining presence at major birding festivals bringing the practice of mindful birding to a wider audience. This is Holly Merker, and I'm here with Bridget Butler, a.k.a. the Bird Diva from Northern Vermont. So, hey, Bridget. Good hey, to see hi. you. Hi, <laughs> thanks for having me. Good uh, to be here. Bridget and I got to spend some time together during the biggest week in American Birding. That's the festival that occurs in Northwest Ohio annually. You may have heard of McGee Marsh and the absolute warbler capital of the world, where there's an amazing fallout of not just warblers and other migrants, but also people, lots and lots of birders. So during that time, Bridget and I had the opportunity to chat a little bit about mindful birding. We were promoting the Mindful Birding Network by wearing pins that I had made with the logo. And this invited a lot of conversation with just passersby who noticed our pins on the boardwalk or in other places at, at the festival, which was really wonderful to be able to have some thoughtful conversations, but also I wanted to invite Bridget to chat with us and all of you 
just because uh, we're thinking about this now, why is mindful birding coming to the surface in the mainstream a little bit more? So, so Bridget, what 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 surfacing for you? What do you what what comes yeah. to mind? So I got to speak on slow birding, and then I led an outing. And what I tried to do was add layers of slow birding into what is a traditional mainstream bird event. There's like the two things that come up for me are the changes that we've had probably in the past five or six years around not only our birding culture, but our our broader Western culture. And then also um, when it comes to wellness and how we think about wellness. Mm. So those were the two things that were coming up for me. Yeah, I, I, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And wellness in the regard of recognizing that being outdoors, being in nature, and of course, birds are that gateway to experiences in nature that can deepen our relationship with the world around us, but also as we know, have immeasurable benefits to our well-being biophysically and biochemically. And it's it's great that the needle is shifting a little bit towards that direction of awareness. So it's really about awareness. And I think even yesterday, there was an article that was making a lot of news in the Washington Post about the well-being benefits of birdsong in particular, and a lot of the studies surrounding why birds in general are so good for us. And so it's really exciting to have that sort of validation. A lot of people are very curious about what the is and might be surprised by the ways in which we guide or share these practices in that with my ornotherapy or mindful birding outings, I have uh, I guide people through experiences engaging the senses with mindful listening and with also tapping into our breath and noticing the smells that how our our skin and the air feels, this sort of thing. And this heightened awareness brings a different sort of focus that when we do start actively engaging in noticing birds, it feels a little different. What does it feel like to layer these different mindful practices into, into an event that is considered like right the creme de la creme of birding events probably in the world. Um, and it is, it's most people come there with that expectation of seeing something unique and, and exciting and warblers are the, the, the thing to get, right. Everybody wants to get a warbler. Um, but we found little, you know, little nooks and crannies of folks who were interested in, in exploring mindful birding um, or just wanting to know what that was all about. Yeah, we sure did. And one of my best moments of the entire experience at the biggest week was sitting on the boardwalk with you and Freya and just watching all the people. And I mean, all the people, there were so many people. This is, this was mind blowing to me because I had never been to the biggest week before, but just the volumes of people that were there, which was wonderful to see so many people engaged and wanting to know more and looking and noticing. And we lingered and we gazed 
And it was both people and, and birds that kind of caught our attention, right? It was like two parades of two very different beings that we were encountering. That was pretty amazing. Next stop for me is the Acadia Birding Festival, and I'm, I'm excited that they are open to this type of birding. Like you got to lead um, an ornotherapy kind of guided outing. I, I'm going to have that same opportunity here too in just a couple weeks. And I look forward to more festivals looking for these creative um, ways to welcome more people into the community and into these um, these events. It's really a special time right now for sure. It absolutely is. And it is exciting that these festivals around the United States in particular are opening to other styles of birding um, and offering this. And um, I give a lot of gratitude and, and also kudos to those festival directors who are who are noticing this and wanting to be more inclusive in this way. Also, Bridget, you're going to be speaking at the Wilson Ornithological Society. They're having their annual meeting here in Pennsylvania coming up in June, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that one, I'm excited for that because, right, that's a, a research-based audience, you know, folks who are studying birds who are on the ground doing conservation and um, really focusing on the well-being of birds. I'm excited because they've invited me to come and talk about slow birding in terms of an inclusivity lens. And so to really think about, again, that question and that curiosity around what does it mean to belong? What does it mean to feel welcome? Um, and how can we just, how can we be more open and, and shift into that? So the, for me, the other exciting piece of this opportunity is it's a, it's a two-way street. So my workshop, will do a little bit of burning. We'll do a lot of discussion together because I want to learn from that audience of folks too, what they're experiencing. When did you feel like you didn't belong? What does that look like and feel like for you? What do you think is shifting within that birding community that is the, you know, that conservation group part, that conservation section, I'm thinking of like a giant Venn diagram right now, right? So we have all these folks focused on conservation and research and, and they have stories to tell too that I think are really valuable in thinking about this shift in um, belonging and acceptance and, and how many different ways there are to connect and enjoy with birds. Mm, yes, it's that merging of the social sciences with the biological sciences or hard sciences, if you will. And and it's it's really wonderful. And I think there these connections are going to continue to form and be bonded. And uh, it's really exciting. I'm really excited to see where things go next and really grateful for the opportunities I've already had. <laughs> Yeah, and me too. And congrats on all of your opportunities and you're doing great work out there, Bridget. So thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks, Holly. Same to you too. It was delightful to get to bird with you and hang out with you. <laughs> so much fun. Until next time. Okay. Now bringing you some mindful birding nerding, the science segment where we'll explore the growing body of scientific evidence on the health benefits of birding, time spent in nature, mindfulness, and other related topics. 
I was recently at a mindful birding event where I had a conversation with someone who shared with me his lifelong experiences with Doc Log. Like me, you might ask, what? I had never heard this expression. What he meant by Doc Log, as in Dr. Log, was the idea of sitting on a log as a form of medicine. He said that as a kid, he had always gone to consult with Doc Log as a way to connect with nature. As birders, we might ask, what is it about time in the great outdoors and birding that is good for us? Today, I'll be sharing the findings from a recent paper published in Bioscience titled Doses of Neighborhood Nature, the Benefits for Mental Health of Living with Nature. More and more science is suggesting that our disconnect from nature is at least partly responsible for the growing cases of anxiety and depression. But what exactly are some of the features of nature that may account for this? What do we really miss out on when we aren't spending time in nature? And what about nature seems to help? Green space around or near one's home has been associated with lower incidents of anxiety and depression. But what is it about green space? The researchers explored the relationship between self-reported measures of stress, anxiety, and depression, and measures of neighborhood nature, They found abundance of trees, shrubs, and afternoon birds were associated with lower incidence and severity of depression, anxiety, and stress. In a nutshell, greater abundance of vegetation cover and birds were associated with better mental health. Like so many of these studies, the researchers can't really show a causal relationship, and the study wasn't designed this way. But what we see over and over again is this relationship between time and green space, time with birds, and well-being. Birds and the habitats that support them also seem to support human well-being. It makes sense. After all, we're all connected. We just sometimes forget. Until next time, I'm Holly Thomas, signing off from Mindful Birding, Nerding, Hi again, everyone. This is Holly Marker, and I'm going to read an excerpt from the book entitled The Tao of Pooh with the subtitle The Principles of Taoism, demonstrated by Winnie the Pooh, inspired by the original works by A.A. A. Milne and E.A. Shepard. The Tao of Pooh was written by Benjamin Hoff in 1982. If you're not familiar with it, this book is written as if the author is having a conversation with a familiar storybook character of Pooh Bear who in his responses to Hoff explains basic principles of the Chinese philosophy of Taoism in a simplistic way, yet with great wisdom and contentment. I'm reading from page 102. I say, Pooh, why aren't you busy? I said. Because it's a nice day, said Pooh. Yes, but why ruin it? He said. But you could be doing something important, I said. I am, said Pooh. Oh, doing what? Listening, he said. Listening to what? To the birds. And that squirrel over there. What are they saying? I asked. That it's a nice day, said Pooh. But you know that already, I said. Yes, 
but it's always good to hear that. Somebody else thinks so, too, he replied. Well, you could be spending your time getting educated by listening to radio instead, I said. That thing? Certainly. How else will you know what's going on in the world, I said. By going outside, said Pooh. The excerpt I read to you features the soundscape of my own backyard and reminds me of the simplistic power of mindful birding and mindful listening. As you listen to the excerpt, do the words of Winnie the Pooh resonate for you? And now, once again, turning you over to the joy of birdsong with professional birding guide Chris Benish from Field Guides. Back in 2012, I had the opportunity to visit Olva Island, a small predator-free island adjacent to Stewart Island, New Zealand. Native birds thrive here, and much of the forest is filled with native birdsong. I was completely enthralled by the wacky electronic cacophony of the New Zealand bellbird, imagining myself transported back in time with moas and giant eagles roaming the landscape. Tune in to our next episode as we interview Dr. Geraldine Owada-Sese, a child psychologist whose upcoming book for children, Melusine, Birds of Many Feathers, shares the message of inclusivity and resilience through the outdoor world and observing birds. Don't forget to check out our website, themindfulbirdingnetwork.com. Become a member, it's free, and join our growing flock of people interested in mindful birding. Stay up to date on our next gathering, our blog, and mindful birding events from around the world. And you can follow us on Instagram too, at Mindful Birding Network. We look forward to sharing time with you in future podcasts. And until then, we wish you happy mindful birding. <laughs>